0: Hey, welcome to church. Yes. Yes, we have joy in this place because our Heavenly Father has set the table and everything we need is found in Jesus. Jesus even says this. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. Can we give God honor and praise one more time and just say thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done And uh, Hey, I want to invite you, if last weekend, well, you missed out on five bucks, all right, Uh, if you weren't here, but we gave away our journal, our Setting the Table journal for free last weekend, and if you weren't here, I want to invite you to go pick this up out at the Resource Center. It's only $5. It has daily devotions. It has sermon questions in there. It has notes for you to be able to take and follow along. I want you to bring this every weekend uh, because this is what we know about the kingdom of God and about who God is. He's a feast, too often times, this is what we think about Jesus, that Jesus is just a famine, right? If you start following Jesus, like Eddie, it's like, don't do this, and don't do that, and don't, you know, oh, if I'm going to follow Jesus, all the fun's going away. Jesus says, no, actually the fun begins when you follow me. Actually the fun begins when you begin to feast on me and begin to put your identity and trust in me. And this is why we're doing the series called Setting the Table, because Jesus has set the table for us. He says this in Luke chapter 14 last week, and we talked about this, where he says, Everything is now ready. Everything is ready. Your identity, your passion, your forgiveness that you need. That's why that song resonates in our soul. Because oftentimes, even if we're a follower of Jesus, we come to church and we go, oh, God, I did it again this week, right? I messed up again. I said that again. I did that again. And we go, man, we need this forgiveness. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just set the table for us. He's calling us to go be table setters to go into the world and set the table for others so that they can experience the love of Jesus. And uh, we've got some things that uh, a two-year initiative that we're gonna step into as a church that I'm gonna talk about here in a moment, but I just gotta celebrate this with y'all. Last weekend, we set another record as a church. It's our largest non-holiday, most adults, most kiddos, but here's the problem. When you all came in, some of you are like, ain't no place to park around here, man. Or, I'm trying to come to church. I'm trying to come to the table. I don't even have a seat to the table. Here's what I'm asking you, all right, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you know that you have, that he has set the table for you and you believe that God has called you to be a table setter, here's what I'm asking you to do beginning next weekend. If you can, we do have enough parking. The only thing is it's up that hill over there, all right? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This is where our staff parks. This is where I park. We park on the furthest spot away because here's what we want to do. We want as many people who are coming here for their first time to know that there's a spot here for them. And so beginning next week, and if you can, and hey, your work is going to love you because you're going to get your steps in, all right? You know, and you're going to be able to walk and get your steps in. But we want to be able, if you're a follower of Jesus, you believe you're a table setter to park as far away as you can in our parking lot so more people can be able to feel invited to this church and know that there's a seat here for them. And if you weren't here last weekend, we kicked off our two-year initiative that God is calling us, you know, we celebrate our 50th birthday as a church and God is calling us by faith to step into the next 50 years. And last weekend, if you didn't get a chance uh, to be here, go online, mynorthside.com, watch the service, hear what God is doing. But he is calling us to step out by faith Faith over the next two years to make more room at the table. Uh, you can tell in this room, we're over 90% full. We got the video venue going. Last night, Saturday service, we set a record. Most people we ever had at a Saturday night service, things are just exploding. We're going, God, we need to make more room. And if you weren't here last weekend, we handed out, uh, there's a story card and a commitment card about how God is calling us to make the table bigger here. And uh, we're stepping into a couple of initiatives. And here's our goal that 100% of us would engage with God to take our next step of generosity to help set the table for more and more people. Here's what this looks like. We are out of room in our kids' side space. We are out of room. We set a record last week, we had 1,080 kids here. God bless our workers, all right? And we're going, whoa, Lord. And so God has created a plan for us to create 63% more room for our kids' side space. And we're going to turn our Centrum into a two-story kids' side area to create more room for them. We're going to create a new video venue for us. We're going to add 500 new seats here in the auditorium. All of this is going to happen over the next two years. But here's the deal. We don't want to go in debt to do any of this. Which means we just want to be a church that all of us are praying God, what are you calling me to do to take my next step? Of generosity. And if you didn't get one of these commitment cards, pick up one of these. When you leave, we have people handing them out. And at the end of this series, on February 29th and March 1st, we're going to do a commitment weekend where we'll all step out by faith. And uh, this card is just a tool to help you decide on that. Matter of fact, though, on, March, or on February 12th, we're going to do a special advance commitment, if you already know what God's calling you to do, uh, at our 50th birthday party, for the first time in 20 years, we're going to be able to gather as one church in one place, the Yumson has been unbelievably kind to us and welcomed us in. And I want to invite you to be there on February 12th. I'm telling you, do not miss that night. It is going to be amazing. We'll celebrate our 50th birthday party. It's going to be a night of worship. And then it'll be a step of advanced commitment that night. So bring your card if you already know what God's calling you to do. But be there. Matter of fact, we have this on here. If you need assistance to get downtown, I know there's calling for a little bit of rain or you just don't like driving downtown Louisville or you need assistance, we got buses that will take people down there and uh, we want everybody to be a part of that night. And uh, I love this series that we're talking about with setting the table uh, because in Jesus, everything is ready. And we're saying, God, we're stepping into all that you have. And last weekend we talked about this, that Jesus says, dinner's ready. Come and feast at the table with your father. He is inviting everybody, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, he is saying, by his grace and mercy, I want you at my table. But the only thing is this, when somebody says dinner's ready, what's our next question? What's for dinner, right? What are we eating on, yeah? You know, like tonight, none of us care who's playing in the Super Bowl. The question is, you're going to have wings there, right? Let's get to the real questions. Well, what's on the dinner? I'll tell you if I'm coming to your party or not, right, and this is what we're going to do over the next five weeks is we are going to feast on who Jesus is and what he's calling us to feast on at his table. Matter of fact, my wife, Ruthie and I on our date nights or breakfast morning dates, what we love to do is this, we love to go try new restaurants and uh, that, we, we kind of have some of our favorites, but really every, every time we go out, we want to go somewhere new. There's so many new restaurants in downtown New Albany and in Louisville. And uh, we went to this one restaurant over in Louisville and uh, what we love to do is we love to share an appetizer, share a salad, share an entree, share a dessert, because we want to taste everything, you know, you, you, know, you don't want to pay for everything, but you want to taste everything. And, uh, and so a lot of times that's what we'll do and we picked out this salad. And we, we asked the waiter, we're like, uh, I think there's a typo on this. And they said, well, why is that? We said, well, it says the, the dressing on the salad is blue cheese ice cream. That des- that, that's in the dessert menu, right? And they said, no, sir. This salad is served with a scoop of blue cheese ice cream and you let it melt in your salad. We're like, that chef needs Jesus. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that, you know, we're like, this is why we came here, right? You know, to try new things. Best salad of my life, right? (laughs) It had these pecans and pears on there, and I don't know what happened, but man, I, I tasted and seen Jesus in that moment. And here's what happens, there's a lot of times, there's things on the menu that at first glance, we look at that and we go, I ain't getting that, that doesn't sound good. And there's times in our life when we open God's word, we look at that and we go, that doesn't sound good. I don't want to live that way. Until you begin to taste and see the ways of Jesus. And what happens is this, what began to sound disgusting maybe at beginning, you begin to experience the work of Jesus in your heart and your life and you go, actually that's really good. And actually this is what my soul needed. Matter of fact, this moment happened to Peter in Matthew chapter 18. He came up to Jesus and he asked a question and he had no idea what Jesus was going to say. And at first glance, Peter didn't like it, but when he began to process it and when you and I begin to process the words and feast on Jesus's words today, it will literally change your life. Listen what happens here in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, now I get what Peter's saying here. He's going, how many times do we have to keep forgiving somebody? And when he says seven times, what's interesting about it is this. In the rabbinical law, you only had to forgive somebody three times and then you had to be done forgiving them. And what Peter does here is he doubles that number and then puts a cherry on top. Seven times, Lord? And it sounds pretty humble here, except here's the deal. When you read something in the text, you can't just read it. You need to read what happened before, what happens after it. And when you open up Matthew chapter 18, the the very first thing in verse one is happening is this. The disciples come to Jesus and they begin, because they've been having an argument, and they said this, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? What they were really doing is this. They were ranking themselves to see who is number one. Now, just a kind of a a hot tip for you here. Uh, Don't ask Jesus about who the greatest in the kingdom is. He's the greatest in the kingdom. The only thing is this, they didn't know what they were saying. And in this moment, it sounds very humble what Peter is saying. How many times do I have to forgive my brother when they sin against me? Seven times, Lord? And what he's really saying is this, how quick until I can cut somebody off? How quick until I can just write them off? And write them off and out of my life. Listen to what Jesus tells him. Jesus hears his question and he answered him in verse 22. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Blue cheese, ice cream. 77 times, really, some translation says this, that Jesus said 70 times seven, meaning 490 times, Peter. And what he's really saying is this. He's not putting a number on it. What he's saying is, no, Peter, I'm calling you to a life of forgiveness, not a few times of forgiveness. And at first, guys, let's be honest. That's not what we want to hear, is it? You mean i got to forgive them over and over again? You mean I've got to be a person of grace Matter of fact, God has been growing me in my forgiveness this week. He's done a work on me. I'm not here just to present the words of Jesus. He's like, Nate, you're gonna have to grow in your forgiveness because here's my journey. To the Cardinals, I have become a Cardinal. To the Hoosiers, I have become a Hoosier. And this week, to the Wildcats, I went to my first game at Rupp Arena. (laughs) Now here's the deal for you Wildcat fans. You were losing most of the game, and it did my heart good. (laughs) Somebody said, Nate, how did you end up at Rupp Arena? Only Jesus. (laughs) My buddy Seth got baptized here at church this year, and he said, Nate, I got an extra ticket. Would you ever go to a Kentucky game with me? And I went, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And this week went to my first game. Great people, great time. And here's the deal. Sometimes it's easy just to hate our enemies, you know, not spend any time with our enemies. And I say that jokingly, but a lot of times that's what we do, right? We just want to hang with people who like the things we like, who do the things we do, and we cut ourselves off from everybody else. And Jesus in this moment says, Peter, I'm calling you to the table and I'm calling you to something that you can't do yourself. It's not seven times, Peter. It's 77 times. It's a different way of life. It's a different way of living. Matter of fact, in this whole kind of setting the table wording, what Jesus is telling Peter and the question he's asking Peter in this moment is this, Peter, who's the head of your table? Who's the head of your table? That's a question you and I need to answer today. Who is the head of our table? Because here's the deal. If we're the head of our table, we're only gonna forgive people seven times. But when Jesus is the head of our table, we're gonna understand the forgiveness that he has given us and the forgiveness he has called us to give others, which is 77 times, meaning a way of life. But here's the thing. We can't forgive like Jesus calls us to forgive if he's not the head of our table. That's what he's telling Peter in this moment. Who's the head of your table, Peter? Do you notice that Peter's language here, when he came and he asked Jesus, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? You notice what he didn't ask? He didn't ask this, Jesus, how many times is God going to forgive me because I keep messing up? What a better question for you and I to ask. Instead of God, how much do I have to forgive them? It's, Jesus, how much is God gonna forgive me? That's a totally different question to ask. That's a different position of our heart to have. And Jesus begins to feast with Peter and this is what he's calling him to. He's going, I want you to understand the ways of God. In verse 23, he begins to tell him a parable and he tells us this parable today as well. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, this is the table of God, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, 10,000 talents was the highest number in the Roman time period, meaning this, for us, a trillion, we don't really know, know, we don't really talk about numbers beyond a trillion. And so in this moment, Jesus is saying this parable, he's going, there's this servant who owed his master a trillion dollars in debt, trillion dollars. And he says this, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debts. Then the servant fell on his knees before him and he said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Yeah, right, trillion dollars, You ain't paying that back. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. You see what Jesus is doing here for Peter? He's going, you're just looking at your brother's sin and you're not realizing your own sin, Peter. You got your own debt and you're too concentrated on everybody else's debt And you lost sight of your own debt. And then he says this, he's trying to help Peter understand. And your father has come to forgive you of your debt that you really can't pay back. And that word pity, actually, you know, yes, it's kind of translated correctly, but there's even more than that. Because when we have pity on somebody, we go, oh, I feel bad. Here's $5. This word pity here means this. It means a gut-wrenching compassion. That our heavenly father has this gut-wrenching compassion on us. He sees you and I in our sin. And he goes, I know you can't dig your way out. I know you can't pay your way out. I know you can't build your way out. And I've come to set you free. Matter of fact, this week, I experienced a little bit of that gut-wrenching compassion. I don't know if you did as well. Last Sunday afternoon, when we got the word about Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the seven other passengers who died in that helicopter crash, I don't know Kobe Bryant. I don't know his family. I didn't know those people. But last Sunday afternoon, it was gut-wrenching, wasn't it? It was like, man, anything we can do for them, We, we got help us. We want to help people who go through that. There's just this gut-wrenching compassion. This is what our heavenly father has for us. This is what Jesus is trying to get Peter to understand. Your heavenly father loves you. He knows your debt, and he's paid, and he's canceled the debt, and he's canceling the debt in Jesus. And then he says this story to Peter. But when that servant went out, the one who had his debt canceled, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is like a hundred bucks, and he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. You see how silly that sounds? This man just was forgiven a trillion dollars and he's choking somebody out over a hundred bucks. No compassion. His fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But the man refused, Jesus said, and instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Well, here's the deal. When you get thrown into prison, you can't work, so you can't pay off the debt, which means this, this man put this man in prison to rot for eternity over a hundred dollars. Jesus is going, Peter, you better pay attention to what you're saying here, because you're not a good head of the table. And it said, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Whoa. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Shouldn't you have given forgiveness to them just as I have extended forgiveness to you? And in his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should be paid back all that he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you, talking to Peter and the disciples, unless you forgive your brother from your heart. I bet Peter in that moment just was like, hmm, right? You're like, I have asked the wrong question. No, Peter, you've asked the right question. You just need to hear the right answer. Too many times, this is why we we forget that coming to the table is so important. And here's why this is so important, because whoever's at the head of our table is how we'll treat the rest of those at the table and who's not at the table. See, this is why we need Jesus to be the head of our table, because we will treat the world like we want to be treated or how we think we want to be treated. And really what happens is this: the way we treat the world isn't how Jesus has treated us. This is why Jesus says this word in Matthew 18, He says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? See, there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what you and I deserve. You ever play that game with like a grandpa or somebody or a friend or, you know, you, know, you try to break each other's knuckles, right? You know, you know until somebody just kind of has your hands bent and then you say, mercy or uncle, right? You know, you play that with my, I play that with my cousins all the time. You know, I remember that stuff. And really what we're saying in that moment is, don't crush me anymore. You could crush me. You could destroy me. Please stop. And in this place, this is what Jesus is saying. God could come in and wipe us out because all of us in this room are guilty. All of us in this room have gone away from God and in God's mercy, because of Jesus, he sets us free and he doesn't give us what we deserve and yet grace is giving us what we do not deserve. We don't just get mercy from God. He doesn't just not crush us. He gives us his grace to begin to live in. He gives us a new way. See, this is why we got a feast at the table with our father. He says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And then he says this, and how my father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. What he's saying is this. Jesus has got to become the head of the table in your heart and in your life. One of the most helpful books for me to understand when our heart goes uh, sideways and it goes different of the ways of Jesus, uh, in Albert uh, Haas's book, Coming Home to Your True Self, he says this. He says, without knowing it, sometimes we begin to live a false self. When we don't live at the table with Jesus, we begin to live in a different way. And he says, this is what begins to happen in our heart. And he describes this word ego in our heart. And this is what Albert says. He says, ego is easing God out of our life. God, you can kind of sit over there. I'll take it from here. And then our lives become only about our concerns, only about our image, only about gratifying what we want in life, and only about self-preservation. And what he says is this, not only does that impact our heart, it begins to impact the way that we breathe in our lungs and the way that we live our life. And he says, so then life either becomes all about obsessively acquiring control, or security, or esteem, our identification, or we become obsessive about avoiding pain in our life, or blame, criticism, disgrace, and loss. And what Albert says is this, we walk around as Christians with the false self, and not the life of Jesus. This is what Jesus is calling Peter into, and what he's getting, trying to get him to understand is this. When you and I avoid our past, here's what happens. When you and I avoid our past, our past creates a future that we cannot avoid. This is what happens in the story. That man who had his debt canceled avoided actually the reality of his debt. And since he avoided it, it impacted his future. And then he had to come face to face with it. And he had to face his real Debt. See, here's the beauty of Jesus. When we sit down at the table of Jesus, what he's saying is this, it only works when we begin to own our debt, when we begin to be honest with ourselves. when we begin to be honest with our brokenness so that his forgiveness can come in and change us. Heard this incredible story that happened this year. Uh, This guy, uh, is a billionaire businessman. His name's Robert Smith. And uh, Robert Smith got invited to speak this year at Morehouse University at their graduating classes speech this last year, their commencement ceremony in 2019. And uh, Robert Smith got up there and uh, he said, congratulations, class 2019. And go look at this on YouTube. It's an incredible moment. He said, congratulations. And then he said this, I wanted to get you guys a graduation present. And he said this to the class. He said, congratulations 2019, as my gift to you, I've called the financial aid office and I have paid off everybody's school loan. I think his phone has been blown up by all sorts of other universities inviting him next year to come and speak. But here's what happens at that moment when you watch that YouTube video, if you see these students just start going wild. And you know why? because they know their debt. They can tell you the exact number they owe. Oftentimes, here's what happens to you and I. We avoid our debt and we're not honest with ourselves, and we lie to ourselves about what's really broken in us. And here's the thing, when you and I avoid and lie about the debt that we owe, God's forgiveness actually becomes meaningless to us. And it's not because it's not powerful, it's because you and I are lying to ourselves about our debt. See, here's the thing, Peter was always talking about the debt of others that owe him. And Jesus was saying, Peter, here's how you get set free. You have to be real about the debt that you owe, Peter. And that your father has come to set you free. This is the beautiful thing about it because here's what we know when Jesus is at the head of our table. Here's what we know about the head of the table. The head of the table always pays the bill, don't they? I've never been out to dinner with my kids where they brought my kids the bill, right? They ate. Hey, they should pay. I mean, he's two, but come on. You like those corn dogs, right? You need to ante up, Zeke. It's not what they do, what? What? They look at me, Nate, you're the head of the table. This is your bill. See, here's, here's why Jesus is saying, Peter, let me be the head of your heart. Let me be the head of the table in your life because the head of the table pays the bill. The head of the table pays for your sin and my sin and the sins done to us. And here's what happens. If we don't let Jesus be the head of our table, here's what happens. You pay and all you and I do is this, spend our whole life making everybody else pay us back. And let me just be honest, it's never enough, is it? It's never enough. I can tell you time after time about people who have hurt me 10 years ago. And for years and years, man, I, I, did, man, I made them pay. And here's the thing could never be enough. Probably the most powerful story I've heard about this moment because you and I are gonna come face to face with people that owe us or we're gonna come face to face with our debt. Probably the most powerful story I've ever come across about someone coming face to face with someone who owed them uh, was Corey Tinboom. And uh, her and her family uh, actually helped uh, Dutch Jewish families escape the Holocaust. Unbelievable, heroic effort to, to help families escape the Nazi regime. And what happened was this. They got found out and they, their whole family got placed in concentration camps. And Corey and her sister got put together in a concentration camp. And while they were there, they were followers of Jesus and they were ministering to others in the concentration camps, helping to tell people about Jesus, to walk with Jesus. Unfortunately, Corey's sister died in the concentration camp, but she made it out. She got liberated out of that. And a couple years later, she was telling her story in Munich, Germany, and she was telling about how Jesus helped her through that time. And when she finished her story, she said, this man came up to me and said, how grateful I am for your message to think as you say, he, Jesus has washed my sins away. And after he said that, he stuck out his hand to shake my hand. And Corey Ten Boom says, it was at that moment I realized this was one of the SS guards that held us captive in the concentration camp. And she said, here I was face to face with the man that oppressed us in this concentration camp. And I had to face the man who had done all this damage to me and my family. And this is what she said. She literally in that moment prayed, Jesus, forgive me and help me to forgive him. But then in her honest moment, this is what she said, I couldn't raise my hand. She said, I felt nothing, not a spark of warmth or charity. And she silently prayed these words, I can't forgive him. Give your forgiveness, Lord. Give your forgiveness, She said when she prayed that, she said something began to happen in her. She said it was like a current that passed through her arm and into her heart. And a love for this stranger almost overwhelmed her. And she reached out her hand. But she had to come to a place that said, God, I can't forgive him. You give me your forgiveness. She said this after that moment. She said, I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness Any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on God's. It's on God's. And when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. Too many times the reason why I found I couldn't forgive others is this, because I was trying to offer a forgiveness that only I could give. And God goes, Nate, that's not how you forgive Nate, you cancel debts in your life and you set other people free. And let's be honest, probably for most of us in this room, the person that you and I hold captive the most is ourselves, isn't it? Man, we hold ourselves captive and we can't forgive ourselves and we can't make things right. And this is why Jesus is saying it's not seven times, it's 77 times because it is my forgiveness for you that can help set yourself free and help set others free. How do we begin to do that? Two things in this text. One is this. You and I need to get in the right seat. Peter was in the wrong seat. How many times, Lord? Seven? Mm Mm-mm. Wrong seat, Peter. How many times, God, do we have to forgive people in our life? Well, actually, it's not your forgiveness, Nate. It's my forgiveness. You're in the wrong seat, You and I need to take our seat at the table and let Jesus have his seat at the table because scripture says this Jesus is the head of the church, Jesus is the head of our families, Jesus is the head of our life, Jesus is ruling and reigning over the whole universe right now. That is his seat. And here's the thing we got to let the cross be our currency. Too many times the reason why we can't cancel other people's debts is we're trying to pay with a forgiveness that doesn't add up. And it is only by the cross and the grace and the forgiveness of God that we can begin to cancel the debts in our life and the debts that others owe us. It is only by the cross that we can begin to cancel the debts of others. And so maybe you and I need to become like Corey Ten Boom and go, God, I can't forgive them. You give me your forgiveness. You give me your currency. What we wanna do in this moment is we wanna do something a little bit different with communion today. And uh, what we wanna do is this, especially within this series, because Jesus was calling Peter to the table, what we wanna do is do something a little bit different here in a moment. In a moment, we're gonna put a scripture up on the screen and we're gonna ask you to engage with that and ask you to engage your heart with the Father. Maybe there's somebody today, there's a debt that somebody owes you today and you're going, God, I need your forgiveness to help set that person free. Or maybe there's a debt that you owe that it is overwhelming you. And what we're gonna do here in a moment is on the screen, we're gonna have a scripture and there's gonna be two questions that's just gonna guide your hearts to feast with the Heavenly Father. And then this is what we're gonna ask you to do. We're gonna do something a little bit different today. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in what he's done in the cross for you, and the sacrifice for you, we wanna invite you to come to the table. We got tables set up around the back, all the way across the back of the room. We got them all the way across the front of the room. When you're ready, we want you to come and take the bread and the juice. And what you're declaring when you take this is this, Jesus, you offer me a forgiveness that I don't have. And we are declaring today that Jesus, you have forgiven me and only by your grace and your forgiveness can I forgive others. We're gonna feast today on the forgiveness of our heavenly Father. Let me pray for us and then the screen will guide us into some questions and then after you take communion, you can go and set tables for others in this world Let me pray for us and we'll take communion and then we'll go. Father, thank you. Thank you that, Lord, in the midst of our questioning, in the midst of our thoughts, you have a different direction for us to go. That, Jesus, you are so gracious and good to us. And, Father, I know there's a lot of us in this room. There's a lot, God, that we are aware of who has hurt us. Father, we ask that you would help us to be aware of our own hurts and our own debts so that you can set us free. Because Jesus, ultimately, we can only be set free by you and what you did on the cross for our sins. And so today, Father, I pray as your church, as your people who you came and you died for to set free, that today, God, we would be reminded and we would live in your forgiveness. That Jesus, you alone, hold us together. So in this moment, God, would you become the head of our table once again? And it's in your name that we pray, amen. Let's pay attention to the screen, and then when you're ready, you can come take communion.